1: Hello, this is Scott Gordon, Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game,
2: Mike McKenna. This is
1: Dale Weese. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening You're listening to. Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie. Snow the goalie. Snow the
0: goalie. Snow the goalie.
1: Hi, my name is Olivier. Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the goalie.
3: It is a Monday, Snow the Goalie Radio on 610 ESPN. I'm standing up. I'm standing up for the fans. I'm standing up for Philadelphia Flyers fans who came into the season with high expectations. I'm standing up for the people who have been downtrodden in the greater Delaware Valley who spent an entire season last year being disappointed by the orange and black. And I'm literally standing in the 610 ESPN radio studio. Feeling deflated. So I'm going to sit back down. Oh,
2: Russell. It has been. Feeling deflated. It
3: has been a week to forget. Come for, on, For now. your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. The orange and black
2: look more black and blue than orange and black. You know what's funny? Go ahead. You know what's really funny? You know, last year when we used to do this on the podcast, you were the eternal optimist when the team was absolute Ter- absolutely terrible. I was going
3: to okay. say, got to <laughs> censor the uh, podcast language
2: there, fella. <laughs> he was, and you know me, I don't ever curse on the podcast. Come on now. That's true. Um, but they were really, really bad. And I would sit there and say, Yeah, you know, this team's no good, Russ. They're not going to make the playoffs. And you just kept saying, But Anthony, there's time. They're going to turn this around. And then they would get on a winning streak. And you'd be like, Look, Anthony, I told you they're going to make the playoffs. And I kept saying, Russ, they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to be a realist here. They're not going to make the playoffs. Now here we come. A, a year later, a season later, you're standing up for the fans in the studio. You're complaining that they're off to a terrible start. This week has been bad because they lost four games in a row, oh three and one. And I'm gonna sit here and tell you things are not as bad as they seem. Good. I'm glad I got you to uh switch roles
3: with me for the week. That's that's excellent. Hey,
2: that doesn't mean it's it it's not gonna you're not gonna be right long term. You can remember My preseason prediction of whether the Flyers were going to finish fifth or sixth in this division. And I still think that. I still think that they're going to be a fifth-place team with an outside shot at a playoff spot. And and I think they've played kind of like that mediocre team so far. But there have been a lot of things that I've liked about the way that the Flyers have played over the first six games. And even though they've lost four in a row and, and, uh, you know, all three out west and then the game Saturday against Dallas, there were things in those games, Calgary game aside, things in those games – that I looked at and said, you know what? If they keep playing like this, they'll win. They'll win games. And and, and you keep hearing the coach say it and the players are saying it. And I know that that's, that rings hollow for fans who want victories, who want to see more consistency on offense. But they're not wrong. They're not wrong. I remember, we were talking to JVR um, in the locker room after the game. And it was just you and me just talking to JVR. And I said you know, he had nine shots in that game against Dallas. He had nine shots the game before um, and the loss against Edmonton. I mean, that's 18 shots in two games. That's a heck of a lot of shots. And he still hasn't scored a goal. And I said to him, I said, you know, you're a veteran guy, right? You look at it and you say, yeah, man, we're getting all these chances. We're just not putting them. We're not finishing. But you know that that's got to, like, even out. Like, you're, there's the Flyers' five-on-five shooting percentage right now is, like, under 5% for the season.
3: Which would be a historic number. It would be an all-time NHL record for the worst shooting percentage
2: ever, if it were to so, extrapolate. Right, the season, but yeah. teams teams on the average, you know, are like in a 13 percent range. So that's got it's got to get better. It, it has to get better. So if they keep playing the way that they're playing and generating the chances that they're generating, they have to be able to score some goals. And so I look at it and say, until they play consistently bad like they played against Calgary, and like they played last season and the season before, or any of the iterations of Dave Hackstall as coach, then then I'll sit there and say, you know what, Russ, you're right. Yeah, the Things are pretty bad right now. But until that happens, yeah, they've lost a few games. I understand the frustration. But at the same time, I've seen enough good, good play and good hockey out there to sit there and say, yeah,
3: they still have a shot to fix this. Just to be clear, I'm not saying that they don't have the ability to come back and turn this whole thing around. It's just that as of right now, their inability to finish, to put the biscuit in the basket, has been an issue. And this comes back to a thing that I feel like at this point we've discussed ad nauseum on this show, on on our iteration of a podcast over the summer, is this team doesn't have the ability. They don't have a score. They don't have a sniper. They don't have a guy who's able to create his own chances and bury and and be somebody that the opposing team has to plan on as being an elite-level scorer. There were guys like that who were on the market this past offseason, but this team opted not to pursue them. This team opted to go and pursue Kevin Hayes, who, to, to his credit, has done a, a a pretty solid job. He was all right as the the 1C on this team to start the season. He's been okay um, when he was playing on the second line. If the lines from practice today are to be believed, he's going to be now dropped down to the third line, which comes back to an issue that we had raised all offseason, which was... If the lineup shakes its way out and if a young guy like a Joel Faraby who just got called up were to make this team and if Nolan Patrick were to play some kind of role for this team, at some point you would hope that Kevin Hayes would be your 3C, right? The current iteration of this team, the current version of this team, Kevin Hayes is your 3C. This is not where your money should have been allocated. If if, If AV was going to decide to put Giroux back at center... And Couturier was gonna be the two C and you thought you might have Nolan Patrick playing the three C, then you didn't spend your money in a in an
2: advantageous manner. Well, see, that's I think what you just said is correct. That you miss they might have missed the mark on what they needed to spend their money on in the offseason. They should have gone after a goal scorer. Instead, they went after a two-way center who kind of fits into the middle six, right, of your lineup. Um and but I will say this, making the change that they've made actually looks nice for me. And I, and I say that because, as you know, having depth down the middle, having depth at center is what really dictates success for offensive hockey. Okay, And so to put Giroux back in the middle and then you have Couturier as your second center and have Hayes as a third center, like that's, that's good depth sure. down the middle. Now they're going to play Giroux between JVR and Voracek.
3: That's not a whole lot of tracking back, is it? There's that's not, that's there's not, there's that's not, not <laughs> a solid two-way line. <laughs> not at all.
2: But you better score. But they'll create a ton of chances. Sure, they'll they'll real. So especially for a home game, when you get to decide when to, you know, the home team gets to decide what line goes out against who. It'll be advantageous for Vigneault to look at it and say, "Okay, here's we've had a stoppage. We have an offensive zone face-off. Who are they putting out? Okay, I'm going to put Giroux out against this group. Oh, wait, they're putting their top offensive line out. Okay, maybe I'll put Couturier's line out instead. You know what I'm saying? So like it, it's a situation where when you're at home, you can really make this work. Okay. Yeah. The second line they reunited Couturier with Lindblom and Konechny. Those guys were great the first handful of games of the season before yeah. they got broken up. So I'd like to see them back together again. You got Hayes centering Scott Lawton on the left and Joel Farabee, the call-up, the kid who everybody wants to come play, is going to get his chance in the lineup tonight, first game uh, of his NHL career against the Vegas Knights, and he's going to play third-line right wing. And that's an interesting line to me. It really is because there's not a lot of creativity on that line, but Farabee will have an opportunity to be protected by two guys who are decent Defensive forwards and Hayes and Lawton, so like he can get a little show a little bit of the creativity if he needs to, and, well, then,
3: and and he also gets to step into a job that I think a lot of people were pining for him to get coming out of training camp to be that that third line right
2: wing. Well, here's the thing, and it didn't work out. Well, here's the thing, ultimately, and this is this is something that nobody's really talking about, but we've know we know that Vorchek has kind of been a little bit in Vino's doghouse here to start the season, right? Mm-hmm. He's been the vet that, that Vigneault's you know, benched him for a period, moved him down to the fourth line, moved him to the third line, like didn't, you know, took him off of the top two positions. Um, I think that he's the guy that has to feel the most pressure from Faraby being called up because if Faraby comes in and starts playing really well, which he's a rookie, it, it, it could be Feast or famine with this kid, right? He could be really good and surprise everybody, you know, that he's good right away. Or he could be a rookie and take some time. But if he does come in and, and plays great hockey and he's ready to go, does Joel Farabee sneak up the the lineup and Jake Vorchek sli- slide down to that third line?
3: I think that's something that we had brought up over the summer. I, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure that towards the end of training camp this came up because it was if you were going to have a young guy like a Farabee join this team, um, well, it's got to be top t- is, is This is also when I think TK was yet to have signed his contract. The right. question was, if a Faraby or a Frost, but preferably a Faraby for playing the wing, and it, I think people still want to see you know Frost at center. Um, seeing what what Faraby could look like, would you be adverse to having him play on a third line if it's not a skilled group? And then could he potentially get his way up to the second line, or do you make the really crazy jump? This again was before TK was signed. Of do you put him up on the top? line with Couturier and Giroux with the idea that there's plenty of playmaking ability there. You've got the best two-way center on this team in Sean Couturier there to, to kind of cover up and, and allow Farabee to play his game. I think they're in a in a very awkward position right now as a team because Faraby being put on that third line with Hayes is good because you want to have somebody who's a solid vet, somebody who's not coming off of a cold streak of play or, or somebody who's playing out of form. I think right now it's pretty safe to say that while the point production hasn't necessarily been there for, for Hayes, he's not exactly a guy that you expect to put up 60, 70 points a season. He's only eclipsed 50 points once in his career, and it was last season. Um, Farabee, to me, is a guy who I, I, I just hope this fan base doesn't put too high of expectations on for him to produce too early. Well, you know the fan
2: base is going to put the expectations on him, right? But, but the concern for me is if, if, in fact— And look, it's great if Farabee does well, don't get me wrong. But if it does uh, happen that he— plays well and gets moved up in the lineup all of a sudden you're looking at two huge contract guys in Vorchek and Kevin Hayes playing third line roles now granted Hayes plays a lot of penalty kill also plays on some power play Vorchek plays a lot on the power play so it's not like they're just going to play you know 12 minutes of five on five and you're paying them big money but at the same time, if you're putting him down on a third line, you're basically saying, like, you guys don't have value to us as top six forwards. That's a lot of wasted cash.
3: Well, and I think even the the counter to that is JVR started the season on the third line. He was a guy that I think a lot of people expected to probably drop down to that third line. Right. And even if, even if things had worked out the way that, that you wanted them as a Flyers fan, that Nolan Patrick ends up playing his way into being the 2C, this, again, is before the migraine diagnosis, but – I think people had hoped that Nolan Patrick would take his game to the next level. And then maybe that does push Kevin Hayes down to the three C the idea would have been there. And then, Oh my God, you've got all this money tied up in Kevin Hayes. And then also at the same time, you've got money tied up between Hayes and JVR. It, it seems like no matter what, you're going to have probably some combination of these two, two of these three guys on that third line. And you're right. It's a lot of dead cap. And again, I kind of come back to this. This seems like poor planning on the part of the GM, Chuck Fletcher, and this is becoming a narrative in all Philadelphia sports, which we'll get to later tonight from uh, six to seven on Crossing Broadcast. But like it, it feels like it's now Philadelphia's MO to have a poorly constructed roster that might be a little bit too <laughs> top heavy and doesn't have enough depth and doesn't have enough dangerous game breakers or an ina- or they've displayed an inability to have to draft guys that can come up right away and make an impact. Now, hockey's obviously different, um, but it is a shame to, to look at this now and realize that you're in a situation where. Probably two out of your top six paid players could be featured on a, a third line. And it's not because you have young guys that are far out playing them and are, are playing above their heads and, and putting up a massive amount of points per game. It's, it's
2: alarming, yeah. right? Well, J, JVR, JVR hasn't scored, and he's now going to be on the top line. And I, but I think he's played really well. I, and you know I, I think that his game so far has been surprisingly good. Uh, because he's doing a lot of things that he did not didn't normally do, uh, you know. Last year, even this final year in Toronto, he's really mostly just a goal scorer uh, in those two seasons. But now he's doing some little things right, and I think he's being rewarded for it by now playing with with Giroux on that top line. There's somebody we got to talk to about all this, Russ, because there's a lot of changes. We have got two guys, you know, two new guys coming up to the team, and Faraby and uh, uh, Mikhail Vorobyev. Misha Vorobyev has got, also got called up. Bunneman and, and Torinsky were sent down. Uh, Brian Elliott is now going to start tonight and not Carter Hart, which is I think a little bit of a surprise for some people. Uh, Chris Stewart stays in the lineup. Tyler Pitlick is a healthy scratch. Uh, which I know a lot of people are going to be angry with. Um, But Vegas does have a tough guy in the lineup in Ryan Reeves, so that makes it it interesting as well. But the guy that knows maybe more about this than anyone else on the face of the planet is our friend Bill Meltzer, who now joins us uh, on the phone. Bill, uh, talk to us first. I mean, you were over at the skate this morning. You saw the lineup changes. You saw everything that was going on. Uh, What's your take on on how things are, you know, shaking out at this point, because to me the Flyers have played a little bit better than maybe their record kind of indicates.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the last two games, you know, and coaches always talk about process. I I really liked the process and the, the Edmonton game other than where things fell apart in the second period. I mean, the Flyers pretty much controlled, I would say 30, the first 32 minutes of that game. And then, you know, then there was the, the goal by McDavid where he, you know, he beats Braun in, in a foot race and cart goes for the poke check and he scores. And then you take two, two penalties and they score in both ends of those. And then all of a sudden a game that's a, a one goal game, you're out of, you know, and that's, uh, that, that's where that game slipped away. The Dallas game. I mean, it, it was a very strange game because Dallas went 38 minutes with two shots on goal. Yeah,
2: And one of them was a goal. You know?
1: <laughs> one of them was a goal. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you're you're in it all. You know, you're in it most of the night, and you know the, the shot differentials really they're about as lopsided as they could be. But if you look at the quality of shots, I didn't I didn't really love the Flyers' quality of shots in the Dallas game. I mean, to be to be very honest, I thought they gave themselves a little too much credit after that game for the quality of chances that they had. Certainly, the quantity was there, and um, you know I, I looked it up on Natural Stat Trick just to see if the stats that they kept matched up the eye test. And what they had, they had after that game was uh, five high danger chances for the Flyers and three for Dallas, and I think it was about right. Yeah. You know you, you had all the you had all the possession, you had you know, you had the play in, in you know in the Dallas end of the ice, but they weren't really doing a ton with it.
2: Yeah, it was um, it was interesting, Bill, because I I really felt you know watching the game that they were getting shots, but they weren't getting second chances. Like, you, you always want to see, oh, get the shot to the net, and then somebody crashes the net and is there for a rebound, try and jam it in. Like, they really weren't getting those second chances, those second opportunities against Dallas. Uh, whereas I thought that they had them against Edmonton um, for a time, except, like you said, during that stretch in the second period. But they didn't have them against Dallas. And that was, like, I think that's where if you're, if you're a frustrated fan and you're watching the game and, like, oh, man, if you were just there to get that rebound, or, oh, man, if you just would have made that one extra – pass instead of shooting it from distance like th- there were all those things that you kind of came into your head as you were watching that game
1: no absolutely absolutely and i think that plays into why you see all four off all, all, all four four lines are different tonight you yeah. know if you're if you're really happy with how how the process was the last game you're not going to make those that significant of changes they they want to generate some better chances and that's why they you know that's why they shook things up again in, in my
2: estimation well let's talk about those changes bill because uh, Joel Farabee, obviously the uh, highly touted rookie top prospect, uh, gets his first NHL game. Gets into the lineup. Gets the call up. He he replaces Connor Bunneman uh, or Carson Torinsky, however you want to look at it. And uh, Misha Vorobyev right. is the other guy that gets called up. But Farabee, first and foremost, obviously there's a lot of expectation with him. Um, uh, you know, I'm sitting here telling Russ, you know, we got to. We got we got to be you know tamper that down just a little bit. I mean he's he is a rookie. He's not Sidney Crosby coming into the league, right? I mean so there's a little right. bit of you got to be a little bit careful. But it's exciting in the sense that um, here's a guy that if if he clicks right away and and can play at this level right away, is a guy that maybe can add to that offense and play the style of game that you need to play in order to be successful in this league.
1: I agree. Uh, you know I, I think he can come right in and hold his own. Honestly, if he, if he was not so good without the puck, he'd probably be you know spending half a year to a season with the Phantoms to to work on that. Um, so even if you know, he's a guy, even if he's not scoring, can contribute in some other ways. Um, I got, he, he showed that in the preseason. He showed that with the Phantoms as well because he was playing in, immediately in all game situations and the you know scoring three goals and having assists and having points in all four games. yeah, you know, that, that that's tremendous. But really, if you know, really what what struck me was how polished he is when he doesn't have the puck, getting it on the forecheck, applying back pressure, not panicking if he has to chip a puck out of the zone, if he's got a little, you know, got a, got a checker coming in on him. You know, those those are all the things that uh, that they're looking for out of him. And he reminds me quite a bit of a of a left-handed shooting version of Justin Williams when he was young. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get a ton of goals out of Farabee, uh, you know, at the NHL level, but he'll, he'll score a decent number. He'll be, you know... He'll be a 20-something goal guy probably as he, as he continues to develop, but he'll be a complete player and he'll be a guy who steps up for you in big situations. But at, at 19, it's a, it's an awful lot to expect him to come in and, you know, change the team's fortunes around. He's not, as you said, he's not, he's not a Sidney Crosby. He's not a Pavel Bore who's going to just light up the scoreboard. You know, he's just, he's a good, solid all-around hockey player who can come in and they like said who, who can hold his own in some different situations. So, you know, he should help on that front and Vorobiev you know in some ways this is kind of his last chance right i was going to say that because yeah because rubsov and frost are knocking on the door and you know this is his, this is his third call up under his third different nhl coach it's funny to say that in such a short period of time but it's true and second different general manager and you know he's he's the guy the knock on the knock on misha is that no questioning the talent. No questioning even the, the two-way ability. He's a good playmaker.
2: It's the desire, he doesn't
1: right? often play. Yeah, he does, Right, the desire. He doesn't play with a lot of engagement a lot of nights. And so far with the phantoms, he has. You know, he's been in, he's been a very good player in, in Lehigh Valley this season. I think he's earned the call up. But the jury's still going to be out. Okay, does that last two games, four games, a month? You know, does, does does he do that consistently throughout the season, or does he fall back into the some of the habits that uh, you know that that Got him in trouble in the first place. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. So you know, I, I I'm a little bit I'm a little bit reluctant to trust a, a player of that nature where you're you're kind of wondering what you're going to get on a given night. But you know, but we'll, we'll see we'll see what he does. He's playing, you know, playing in the fourth line role to start. And you know, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, certainly moving him up does give you the luxury of being able to move Michael Raffle back to a wing. So and I and Roffel, you know. Gave it his best shot, but Laffel is really better off as a winger than a center. Yep. And actually, also tonight, if, if you want to discuss that, also is that uh, Scott Lawton is moving from wing to center and is moving back in the middle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get it. We're going to get into that as well. Hey, from your lips to God ears on Joel Faraby being Justin Williams. Because if he turns into Justin Williams, then you have a heck of a hockey player for his career. I'll tell oh, you that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, Bill, I just wanted to ask. Were you surprised at all that Rupsov wasn't the guy to get the call-up first before Vorobiev?
1: I wasn't, actually. It's funny, we had, a, we had a press box discussion about that the other night, and I put Rupsov's name out there. Um, partially because they want Rupsov playing all-game situations, which, which he has been. He's been killing penalties and playing on the second power play, you know, as says Vorobiev. Um, but also, Rupsov still has fewer than 20 games of pro experience, Whereas Vrobiev is in his third year as a pro and does have a little bit of time in the NHL. And the other thing they want Rubsov to work on if he's going to play center is they want him to get better on faceoffs. And Vorobiev was actually, took a huge jump in his faceoffs so far early in the season with the Phantoms. Whereas Rubsov is really a work in progress, like around 40% in the American League. So it's kind of hard to have a guy who's playing in your bottom six where, you know, if he's taking a draw, there's a good chance. The other team is going to get possession off of it. So, I, honestly, for, the, for those reasons, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I, I don't think it'll be too long for him. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be too long for Morgan Frost either. So, this is really the time to shine.
2: We're talking with Bill Meltzer, who covers the Flyers for a myriad of different organizations. You didn't even do that right. He's the great <laughs> Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he does it for so I just wanted to, I I forgot to plug him at the beginning. We just jumped right into the conversation. I said to myself, ah, I got to say where he, where he writes for so people can find him. You can find him on HockeyBuzz, uh, on nhl.com and also for you know, periodically on philadelphiaflyers.com. So, so, there you go, Russ. I got the I got the plug in properly. There you go. Well All done. right. Uh, let's talk a bit about uh, Bill about Claude Giroux getting moved back to center. Um, what does that see i have an interpretation of what that means but i want to hear yours first before i share mine uh what do you think that means for the lineup in general like for for everybody else the fact that they now are moving Giroux back to the middle
1: well i mean honestly it tells you they're they're feeling nolan patrick's absence um they, the whole the whole plan coming into this season I mean, although the flyers did know about nolan's situation over the summer but i think the hope was certainly that you know, he'd be, he'd be ready to start the season or close to that. Um, you know, they, they really, you need three productive lines in in today's game. And I thought that although Kevin Hayes was very good in camp and very good, I think in the first, I'd say the first four games of the season, he has not been very good at all in the last two. And tonight that he's moved down to the third line tonight. Um, and he's actually off the power play as well, because, uh, Couturier is moving to PP2, and Farabee's in PP1. So at least to start the game, looks like Hayes is off the power play. So that's uh, you know that's uh, I mean, Vigneau has done that a little bit. He's moved he's moved JVR down. He's moved Vorchek down. But I think I think they're trying to spread the wealth a little bit here. Certainly they're trying to get JVR and, and Vorchek too. Because although we had a three point game in Edmonton, you know he's pointless in every other game. So they, they want to put their best playmaker with Two guys, they, they want get, to get going a little bit, particularly JVR. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I have some defensive concerns about that line against Vegas, <laughs> particularly <laughs> with the way that uh, Vegas can really hurt you in transition. You're not alone. You to puck over. You're
2: not alone with that
1: concern. So <laughs> So you know we'll we'll see we'll see how that works out, but I think that's the reasoning behind it at least.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that it's it, it's it's one of those uh, lines that you can kind of put together and and maybe try and get away with it on home ice because you get the the you know, the, the last, last change chain, sure. right. So I think you can get away with that a little bit more. Um, but I agree. I think I think that this is moving Giroud to center is more of a message being sent to a couple of these veteran players that like you know what. We don't want to do this, but we have to do this now because you, you, you're, you haven't been able to be productive uh, in your previous roles. And so, you know, I look at a, I look at a guy like Hayes now going to be on the third line. Again, like you said, it's only two bad games. But, you know, there was a lot of talk coming into this season, Bill, that Kevin Hayes was more of a, um, you know, good third, really good 3C, probably back end 2C. Where does he fit? And now it's almost like we're, you know, six games into the season, all of a sudden now he's being put into that third line role again. Um, is that indicative of something longer term or is it just, you know what, let's just try and see if this jump starts him?
1: I think I think for the short term, you just have to say they're looking for combinations that work in the jump start. And now if it if it's something that's ongoing, I mean, you know, I they don't want Claude Giroux at center for the long term. Um Giroux himself, you know, prefers playing wing at this point of his career. I think right. I think that's where he's best suited to play at this point in his career. So
2: keep I, would, I would
1: hope that it's a short-term thing, but uh, you know, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, you can't have a you can't have a football mentality about the hockey schedule where you know you make you make a change in the lineup or you, you drop a couple of games. You're not scoring for a, for a little while. It's not a 16 game schedule. you know, 82 games, even you know even a, even even a stretch of five six games you can't read too much into the season as a whole over those little adjustments that get made. I think you look for, you look for how things go over a longer sample and then, you know, and that's, that's really what you base it off of. I mean, I think so far it's been a real mixed bag for the team and, you know, offensively they're not getting it done. They're not getting enough guys contributing. So they're, they're trying something different and that, that for the short range is, you know, what I think they're doing.
2: Two, two more quick things, Bill, before we let you go. Uh, first, Uh, Chris Stewart stays in the lineup Uh, Tyler Pitlick comes out as a healthy scratch I thought Pitlick has played decent in the short amount of time that he's played Um, does this uh, surprise you at all or do you think it's all because of Ryan Reeves
1: yeah it it surprises me a little bit Um, I think Pitlick has played decently as well actually a a couple of uh, a couple of nights ago a couple games ago the uh, the fourth line struggled two-thirds of the fourth line struggle but actually Pitlick was playing fine so they actually moved him up in the top nine for the rest of that game now two games later he's a healthy scratch I I, you know I mean is Ryan Reeves that much gonna make that much of a physical impact on a game he's gonna get enough ice time where, where it justifies dressing Stewart just to be a response to him I don't know I mean uh it doesn't surprise me just because you know just because Reeves is in the lineup but yeah, I mean, I I think it's something that if the the Flyers end up a little little short personnel-wise, tonight, you have to shorten the bench or something, to three lines, you know, uh, you have a key penalty to kill because Stewart doesn't doesn't kill penalties until like part of that rotation. So I mean, there, there are you know there are there are, is room to second guess if things don't work out, but you know, but the flip side of that is you know if you're going to dress Stewart, a game against Reeves might be just the game to do it.
2: Yeah. And the other quite the last question I had for you, Brian Elliott, not Carter Hart starting in goal tonight. Uh, I think Carter's kind of gotten off to a, a little bit of a sluggish start. You think that might be the reason for this or uh, you think this was planned well out in I, advance?
1: I know. I, I, I think that it's a, I think it's a bit of a response to the last two games Carter. And I thought Carter was solid in the opener. Obviously that he was fantastic in the shutout against the devils and, Really good in the game against Vancouver, and I don't know what it was about going back home to Edmonton or whatever. He just never seemed comfortable in the net. You know, there there were two goals in that game I, I, that that he probably would have wanted to have back. I don't think are outright awful goals, but but goals you would you know reasonably expect to save off of. And and one in the Dallas game where, you know, he hardly saw any shots, so you can kind of understand it, but The situation where you needed a you needed a save there, so you know you give Elliot, who's Played two career games against Vegas, both last year, and played pretty well in both of those. So you, you give him give him the game tonight, and then you know if Hart's going in Chicago, then you're back on rotation. But I do think it, I do think it's a response. I think if Hart had been outstanding in at least one of the last two, he probably would have gone tonight.
2: That's Bill Meltzer. You can follow him on Twitter at Bill Meltzer, uh, and see him online at HockeyBuzz, uh, NHL.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Bill, thanks for hopping on Snow the Goalie Radio today. Oh, anytime, guys. All right, take it easy. Well, Russ, there you have it. I mean, he basically told you, you know, that the same thing—that there is some message sending being being done here with with some individual players and, and what it means. And this is this is a critical time now um, for these individual players uh, to to kind of get their game going because if they don't, they're going to bring people in. And they Farabee going onto the top power play, and you know, we didn't even talk about that. Um, But he's going to play top power play. Kevin Hayes gets knocked off the power play altogether. He dropped Couturier down to number power play two, and Hayes out altogether. I mean, that's a message. The guy is now down. He was on the first line for the last couple games. He's now playing third line and no PP anymore.
3: Well, the interesting thing, too, before we throw it to break, which I think we're going to shortly, is uh, this is what the difference is between having Elaine Vigneault as your coach, a coach that has clout, a a coach that has gravitas, to throw to that's a word my, that's that my our, word our word of the day yeah. um you think about it now and and if this had been done by a Dave Hacksoul he'd be getting raked over the hot coals on twitter right and for better or worse this is where a lot of us end up living uh, before during and after flyers games is is interacting with the fans on twitter this kind of thing would have been absolutely critiqued to no end if Dave Hacksoul was your coach or if Scott Gordon was your coach but now And I have to admit that even in my own thought process, because of the kind of coach that A.V. is and the kind of success he's had in this league for an extended period of time with multiple teams going to Stanley Cup finals, I almost find myself just kind of sitting back saying, all right, you know, he's he's always talking about this being a fact finding mission of sorts. Anytime he juggles the lineup, it's not out of desperation and it's not something where. You're just trying to throw something against a wall to see if it sticks. It really is. It's, it's trying to figure out what the best duos on this team are. We talked about that a lot. I think we've talked about it on the radio show, but certainly on the podcast before, is coaches liking to look for pairs of players to play together, not so much an entire line. Although in the case of the uh, the second line getting reunited, that was a line that was productive early in the season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think Faraby going up to PP1 to, sn- to uh, start tonight against Vegas it's a good thing, you know.
2: It is. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, Russ, we're going to have former Flyer and current Phantoms uh, color analyst Todd Fedoric, will be joining us here. The on Fridge. Snow- the Fridge will be joining us here on Snow the Goalie Radio. Uh, so uh, you, you can tune in for that. And then if you want to give us a call, 888-728-9941 is the number. Uh, give us a call and talk Flyers with us. With uh, Russ Joy, I'm Anthony Sanfilippo here on Snow the Goalie on 610.
3: ESPN radio and we are back on snow the goalie radio on 610 ESPN Philadelphia before we move on we should talk about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook they're offering $500 risk-free bet to new users and while that risk-free bet is an amazing deal it's just the beginning of course last week we talked about their NFL insurance that they have if your team loses by six points or less they'll uh, they'll reimburse you if you lose your bet which is nice that's it's awesome out of them Um, FanDuel Sportsbook has tons of other awesome promos happening all the time. On any given day, you could find odds boosts, bet insurance, special bonuses, and more. Plus, their new cash-out feature makes it easy to take your winnings early. As the game goes on, you get updated. Offers to cash out your bet before the game ends. So if you have a feeling that your team's about to blow the lead, you can just cash out and take your winnings right there and right then. Anthony, I, I think you have a, uh, a game that you wanted the uh, hockey aficionados to take a look at.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a game on Tuesday night. Uh, there will be Toronto at Boston. I, it's a great rivalry. Two really good teams in the NHL. Uh, they've played in the playoffs the last couple of years, Boston coming out on top. Both have gotten off to decent starts this season. However, the Maple Leafs have a game tonight at home against Columbus, who's a team that will grind you. OK, so they're, they're going to play a hard game against you, even though they're not as talented as they used to be. But they're going to grind you and then they have to go travel overnight, get to Boston and play a fresh Bruins team. I'll take the Bruins at home tomorrow night against the Leafs. Wow, this
3: I was trying to look at a, at a game that uh, I thought people might be interested in, not not uh, in any way, shape or form because of the actual outcome. And that's uh, Dallas and Ottawa, which is going to be. I think it's going to be a rough one, and I I was trying to build a a bet around it because I saw that there was a uh, there was a boosted odds on um, Tyler Sagan to have an assist in the game and for Dallas to win at plus one fifteen, and I was all about it, and I was going to recommend to people that they follow through, but Tyler Sagan lost his house in the uh, the tornado outside of Dallas, so I'm glad that you found that one because uh, that's a shame. This one it's going to be hard for him to uh, focus on the game tonight. I'm sure that's a shame. But on a positive note, if you're uh, looking to place any kind of wagers in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, all you have to do is head on over to fanduel.com sportsbook to claim your risk-free bet up to $500 with the promo code STG. That's right, like Snow the Goalie. The promo code is STG. Just download the app to bet from anywhere in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, sign up with the promo code STG, and make your bet within the first seven days if you lose FanDuel Sportsbook will give you a refund in site credit of up to $500. First online wager only, refund issued as site credit. Site credit expires after 14 days. Go to sportsbook.fanduel.com for full terms. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: And now we go to the phones again, Russ. Joining us on the line, former Flyer uh, and also current Phantoms, um, color analyst, Todd Fedorik. Fridgy! Sam, Sam, how have you been? I've been good, my friend. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight.
0: Oh, thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you yeah, we wanted to get you on because, you know, the, the Flyers actually just called a couple of guys up from the Phantoms. Um, uh, most excited... Uh, is Joel Farabee, who I, you know the fans are really excited to see him. Um, you, you got to watch him play his first uh, handful of games down in the AHL. Tell the fans, what are they going to get in this guy? What are they going to see out of Joel Farabee?
0: Joel Farabee, well, so this kid, done, just in the couple of games that I'd seen him, he obviously stood out. Okay, So that's he was probably down there, which, which I agree with, to spend a little time in the minors, experience that process, whatever however short it may be this kid has a very very good vision and he seems to find open ice very quickly and in unique ways that's like that's the best way i could i could put it from an offense perspective and good hands he's exciting he's going to be an exciting player to watch i'm looking forward to see how he does in his first night playing tonight in the nhl so it's been exciting to watch him play down with the phantoms
2: yeah you know in the preseason he didn't look out of place fridge he, he he really looked like he no. be, he really looked like he belonged at this level.
0: Yeah, 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 and I think I I think you know what you, you can question this. Some teams do it, some teams don't. But they it's, uh, I think Fletcher made the right call by sending these guys down, spending a little time in the minors, and you know, creating that a little bit of hunger in the young guys. Yeah, and guys, I've seen it done lots. And it's good. It's good for, you know, in, in anything you do, I guess.
2: And hey, it's not like the AHL is – It's your timing. Yeah, it's not like the AHL is a <laughs> terrible league either, Fridge, right? I mean, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's no. really good hockey down there. I mean, this is one step away from the you know what, best you league in the it, world.
0: Yeah, you need the time down there because it is a step up. And, you know, these kids come in high on confidence and that's what you want, you know what I mean? But then when they get into the game and the hard plays and the heavy sticks and they're playing against men, and it's for real and it's for keep, so there is a little bit of an adjustment. So the good ones adjust right away, though.
2: Yeah, Vorobiev is an interesting guy. I mean, he's, had, he's been up and down a couple times now with the team. He gets a chance here again. Uh, was, I guess he was playing some pretty good hockey for the fans He could deserve a callback to get a shot to come back up to the NHL again.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think uh, he created a, a role for himself there. I think he's been developing properly. He came down with a good attitude after he spent some time up last year. He worked at it, and he became the guy in the first five, six games—the the main guy to take draws. And I don't think I've, i don't think I've seen him lose one. That's a good skill set to have, and that alone, and his play in the middle of the ice—he's—he's he's, he's a, a shifty little player defensively. So he'll—I mean, we've seen a little bit of him last year, but he'll be exciting to watch too. He's playing the right way,
2: and a good attitude. Yeah, I know you're going. These guys
0: get calls up, but those are the two guys that I would have picked just from the, the games watching. Yeah.
2: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one guy I wanted to ask you about, you know, was a guy who I think really was kind of disappointed to not start the season with the Flyers because because he finished the season with the Flyers last year. Um, is Phil Myers? Uh, what have you seen out of him so far with uh, with the Phantoms? And and do you think he's close to getting, uh, you know, maybe a potential recall, or does he still need a little bit more seasoning? You know what? With
0: defensemen, they always like to take time and. and the story with phil it's it's a good story right undrafted comes in makes his mark and just continues to develop so he got called up a lot of things changed within the organization new coaching change and and phil like they were high on him from the whole organization was high on him bringing him up and those changes happen sometimes you're one of the players that's the fallout of that i think that's kind of the case with phil myers not that he's not good enough to play there but when all these things change and you're building a whole new team and a whole new look, the young guys kind of get filtered down and maybe looked older. But Phil Myers is right on the cusp and he's playing good down here too. He's power playing the quarter, uh, quarter, quarterback on the power play. And then, you know, just continuously getting better. So, so I think he should be up soon. Yeah. The, you know it, And it depends on how the flowers do. Like, I think they had the, in camp, they were saying this is going to be a fluid lineup and, Young guys, I mean, there's a lot of skill down in, in, in the minor leagues, and they're hungry players, and they know that there's opportunity for them to take jobs. And I think the Flyers did a good job of creating that within camp, and it spilled over into the start of the season, and you're seeing more players inserted too. And You know what? They said they were going to keep it fluid, and that's what they're doing.
3: Todd, how hard would you say it is for a guy who believes that he should have made the opening day roster to spend the, the start of the season in the AHL and not get down on himself to continue to play with confidence and and not get lost in his own head. Is there a way for a young player in that kind of situation, like Phil Myers, is to try to maintain some high level of play and confidence all, while also trying to you know I guess get good game film there to earn himself a call up?
0: Well, yeah, I, I think these players. I mean, they're they're taught and programmed to play and deal with things a certain way, and when they get to the pro ranks, it might be a little harder and a little. You know, not harder, but it's, you're at the pros. It's the best league in the world. So any little thing is going to be overlooked, and you got to learn that. And that's the process that getting to the NHL is hard. Staying there, leaving, all has to stay there, but that's where management comes in, the player development guys come in, and the coaching. The coaching really comes in when those players come down because they watch, they see how the player responds to being sent down, what's their attitude like with the adversity of that. It's a whole different dynamic because it happens a lot more with uh, the young players they're going up and they do they might do good but they still might come back down. So it's it's something that I think you got to tip your hat to the coaching staff, player development staff and uh, to help those players through that cuz they, they they do need that uh, confidence to stay high.
2: One one guy I wanted to ask you about uh Fridge and mostly because it's a role that's kind of near and dear to you is uh is Chris Stewart um now with the Flyers uh, you know played in his first game the other night. Now he's he's in the lineup again tonight, and there's a lot of people who question whether there's a role for a guy like Chris Stewart still in the NHL. And I know the game. You're you're going to
0: get a biased opinion. Well, I know I'm going to get a biased
2: (laughs) opinion, but I want you to explain it because I I I tend to think that there are times. I think I'll
0: I'll give you the overall view of why I like Chris Stewart in this role. Go ahead. He, he is a player, and, and you know what? You could pull him back. That element isn't there anymore, and I'm talking about fighting. It's not there and relevant, but the willingness for a guy like Chris Stewart to do what he does is the thing that you have to key in on. That willingness, it holds other players accountable. You know what I mean? Is there a role for, is there a place for that? I think so. Chris Stewart can play at the end of the day. Does he have that ability to fight as well? Yeah, he can. I like that ability. I think Silly likes that ability. I think the game likes that ability, and that's why he's important. Because the accountability when a player is willing to do that for you, the accountability is higher on teams with players like that. That's my belief, and that's you know I'll lay the grave on that. I I, I think those players make players around them more accountable, and you know if they're the right guy. And I've heard Chris Stewart's a good guy. You know he's he, he does like to hold players accountable. He likes to be an honest player. And that's, you know what, I'll always go to bat for guys like that. Cause it, you know, and you'll never hear about a lot of the stuff that they do because it's, you know, within the locker room and it's, you know, they do a lot to, to help the, the young players and, and that's what you want. You want a guy that's a, a good at that role. For, and it's, it's silly, man. Of course you want a guy like that. <laughs> like, let's not forget, it. We're, it's the Flyers, man. Like, yeah, that's, we want a guy like that. That's right. Let's build the next version of them, right? That's that's a... it's, it's always going to be there.
3: <laughs> what do you say to the people who believe you gotta that? you
0: got to be able to? Pop, you got to be on the PK. You got to be able to play a good minutes. You got to be able to skate, and if you can fight, and you're a good teammate. That's that's the new kind of role player.
3: What do you say to the people who believe that that the, the traditional fourth line in the NHL needs to undergo a, a, a 21st century upgrade to becoming more of a, a skilled line or a line that allows for some of the higher-performing young players to come up and get their feet wet in the league playing on that fourth line instead of having somebody like a Chris Stewart who was willing to drop the gloves and to keep their teammates accountable? Like, What do you say to those people?
0: Well, I mean, the coaches and the managers in this league do a very good job of creating what we see on the ice. You bring young players up and you put them on the fourth line. Fourth line guys are not going to get minutes. I think from your top two scoring lines to the third line and the fourth line, third and fourth lines are the same. They're four checking energy lines. that can They're your penalty killers. They're just part of your specialty teams. They're defensively minded. They work extremely hard. They have to. You know what I mean? So putting a young, skilled player into that mix within a, a, the dynamics of a team, I don't think it works. Let them play a lot of minutes in a very good league, the AHL, So they're ready to come up and try some of the things that they know that they're capable of. And some of the veteran players are maybe moving on. You know, bringing those guys in early, I think it ruins the dynamic of the team.
3: Do you think that that's also one of the issues... And what you need to win. Do you think that's also one of the issues, like a, a way that teams inadvertently kind of curb the initial development of a, maybe a high draft pick by trying to force them into the NHL too early when maybe they should start their career in the AHL? Like, do you think that's a detrimental thing to those young guys
0: oh i you know what man with these some of these players some kids are ready at 18 some kids aren't ready till 24 but they're playing at 20 it's it's a maturity thing it's a development thing it's there's so many things that go into the kids that can play at 18 and right out of the league. i mean when's the last guy we've seen come right out and play and make an impact at 18 you know i mean there's a couple guys that come to mind but not doesn't happen very often. These guys need time. They need time to become men. You know, they're they're still kids. So I love the development curve, the NHL's got it down. You know what? They've got it down to science, pretty much.
2: Fridge, I want to take you back now. As, as we get to the end of the call, I want I want to take you back to your to your playing days. I was, it was funny. I was listening to a um a podcast, Spit and Chicklets uh, on Barstool with uh, Paul Bissonnette and Ryan Whitney. And uh, they had one of your former teammates, Mike Richards, uh, on the on the program recently, and he was talking about his he was talking about his days with the uh, with with the with the Flyers and and the fans. And one of the things he was talking about was playing for Hitch. And he says, you know, he liked playing for Hitch. He was one of the guys who actually you know Hitch actually liked and got along with. But he was telling some funny stories about how veteran guys would, would chirp at Hitch during a game, and and Hitch would give it right back to him. What was it like playing playing in the Ken Hitchcock era?
0: Oh, Ken, Ken Hitchcock, he was he – was, the thing with Ken Hitchcock is you're going to learn a lot from him as a coach. He, he's going to keep you prepared. You're going to be over-prepared for every game. So that's what you want as a player. You're going to learn a lot about the game, but you have to have thick skin playing under him because he's never satisfied as a coach. So you, uh, There's one thing the guys used to say about playing under Hitch is that you're the first – you're the – what is it? You're the you're angriest first-place team most miserable first-place team in the league because he, he's never satisfied as a coach. And he, you know what? You, you barely get to finish the job and win the cup at the end of the day, so you, you rarely never have time to relax. So that's a doing in But it is amazing how much he does get into it with players on the ice, though. And yeah, they, He goes back and forth out of yeah he's he's got a little bit of fight in him
2: that's great that's really great. and one of the things that Richie said he was telling a funny story he was like you know there was a lot of veterans on the bench who would just go back and forth with Hitch and Hitch finally would have enough and like one of his whipping boys was Bronco Radovojevic and then finally he would just stop fighting with the veterans and turn to Bronco and be like Bronco what's going on out there and Bronco be like coach I haven't even been on the ice in the last 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's some good stuff um hey One other thing that that Richie brought up, and it reminded me of one of my favorite years, uh, was actually the lockout year when we got to spend an entire year, you and I spent an entire year in the AHL with the Phantoms, and maybe the best year that the AHLs ever had because there was so much NHL talent playing in that year. I'm sure you have some great memories of of that team and and that run, but could you just kind of take people back to what that was like playing with so much NHL talent, young NHL talent, mind you, um, in a minor league setting?
0: Oh, I mean, I, I constantly go back to that team, and I was lucky to play on that team. I was in the NHL at the time, and uh, it was I still wanted to play, and it was, uh, lucky enough I, st- I lived in the area, so uh, to play with the, the young team, and then with the Phantoms, I got the opportunity, and we, uh, we ended up winning it all. But that group, especially when Richie and Carter came, they came. You got to remember, they came at the end of the season. Right. They weren't with us all year, but when they joined us. The confidence of this, our team, because they were they were young kids, but they came in and and started playing and producing, and we just fed off of it, and that that's, a, that's we just kind of wrote it into playoffs, through playoffs, and it was a, it, obviously any championship is special. This one was special. It was special because that was the year that the Stanley Cup wasn't played for, right? And so if you look at, you know, it's probably out of that era now, but. The next few years, that was the All Stars in the NHL. Right. So, and it was done in Philly, and we it was sold out in Philly. Like, hockey was alive and well in Philly at that time, and that was that was something special to be a part of for sure. John Stevens was the head coach. Craig Perubi was there. Man, I remember every single one of those guys, and it's a, it's a special moment in my in my career. And when those two kids came in, man, like. <laughs> Coming from junior, yeah, they stepped in and they were players, man. And Richie was surprisingly um, just adept at leading, natural, right? You want to follow a guy like that? He, he, he had that right away. You know, I think they pegged him for that's why he's a captain for the Flyers. So he had those those qualities. And Tom- those you know, some, sometimes leaders—they say leaders are born or developed. I don't know. Richie was just you know, a guy you wanted to follow. So. And I. Know, he-
2: oh, I think we lost him. We might, whoop, there oh, there he is. is. He's He's back. back. Okay.
3: Uh, Todd, since it's your first time on the show, this is just a, a thing that we always do. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You're on a deserted island with a TV <laughs> and one movie to watch one hockey movie that you have to watch the rest of your life. What is the one movie, the one hockey movie that
2: fridge would watch for the rest of his life?
0: Slap shot. Why do you Why do you ask
2: that? I see, Frigid. I, I tell him this all the time because this is what everybody answers. Although, to be fair, JVR did say Miracle. He said he would watch Miracle, which I'm okay with. Scott Gordon also said a uh, Miracle. Okay. They're the yeah. only two so far. Right. But but Russ is a young guy. Okay, he he didn't grow up with the Slapshot shot generation. For the
0: rest of for the rest of, for the rest of your life. Yeah,
2: got to be Slapshot. It's got to be slap shot. It's gotta be slap it's, shot. You,
0: you can't wear it out. You know what Russ can't likes. You
2: know what Russ likes. Russ is a fan of Goon. Yeah yeah yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love it, Fridge. You're the best. You know why Fridge is the best? You know why Fridge is the best? We share a birthday. Did you know that, Russ? I didn't know that, but thanks for that. Yeah, That's- so now you know. When when, you, when it's my birthday, you got to send a happy I- birthday tweet to Todd Fedork as well.
3: All right, I'll I'll make sure I do what? that.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, fo- hey guys, follow Fridgey on Twitter at Fridge29Fridge. Thanks for coming on the show. Love having you, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, guys, see you later. Take it easy. <laughs> He's a, he's a piece of work. He's a character. He is. He always he also, was.
3: He also, like everyone else, has picked the wrong movie, but it's fine. <laughs> someday, someday, we will get the right answer, and the right answer is always Goon. All right, so let's talk about the week ahead for your team, your town, your orange and black. Yeah. They've got tonight's matchup at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. Thursday,
2: they're I, on. Can, the... can I can I say something about tonight's game? By all means, real quick, and you know, it, since we always talk betting, right? You know, we have a great sponsor in FanDuel, and you know, Bob Wankel's here uh, is our big betting guru for when we do crossing broadcast next. Yeah, we'll Producer talk, Ryan we'll talk Lennox about in the back is giving the thumbs down. Yeah, Good, Hugh, all right. Yeah, exactly. That Flyers game tonight, Vegas is a is one of the best teams in hockey, no doubt. I mean, sure. they're they're a Stanley Cup favorite. Okay, that game against the Flyers tonight with a backup goalie, a bunch of young kids in the lineup. Is even money. Woo! Why? Why? All over the Flyers, right, Bob? All over the Flyers. So I'm just going to say, I I like the Flyers tonight. Wow. All right. So let's get back to the schedule for the rest of the week.
3: (laughs) Thursday, they're in Chicago looking to win their second game of the year against the Blackhawks, who they obviously started the season off with a bang in the Global Series. Then they're home on Saturday uh, hosting the Blue Jackets, before a uh, a back to back, the second half of the back to back is on Sunday against the Islanders. How do you see these next few games playing out for the Flyers? Well, so
2: I think that the the calendar really opens up for them nicely because they're getting going up against a bunch of teams who they can beat. Who you know, I mean, Vegas is a good, really good team, and this is a tough game tonight. But I do like them um, coming off, coming off of that Dallas game, uh, and, and then they have they have some time before they have to travel to Chicago. I kind of, lo- you know, we saw them play well against Chicago. I don't think Chicago's that great of a team. I think they can beat the Blackhawks. Columbus is not a very good team. They're just okay, right? So there's a team that, again, is a beatable team. And then you got back-to-back with the Islanders, who, again, not off to a great start, whatever. Um, so, I, look, I look at these four games, and I say, can the Flyers win three out of four? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. I'm going to say three and one in the next four.
3: It's weird having you be positive after spending an entire season with you being nothing but the, the uh – Prototypical negadelphian. Now you're a Posadelphian. I don't know if it fits
2: you that well. <laughs> you want me to go back to being negative? No, it's fine.
3: Okay. So you can say that for uh, your uh, your Phillies takes uh, over on Crossing Broadcasting. Yeah, n-
2: ne- the next hour I'll be a lot more uh, I'll be a lot more miserable. Um.
3: So really, really quickly, um. I guess we should plug the fact that every Flyers home game, with the exception of tonight, because we're going to be in the studio until seven, seven or o'clock. so, right. um. Might end up making it down there for the post game uh, scrums. But other than that, typically every Flyers home game, we do the Press Row show, which is the only live stream, video, in-game, in game, uh, in intermission pregame show, live from Press Row of Wells Fargo Center, which you can find over on the Crossing Broad Facebook page, on the Crossing Broad Twitter account at Crossing Broad, on Anthony's Twitter account at San Philly, on my Twitter account at Joy on Broad. I think we're also on Twitch. Yep, Joy on Broad as well. So make sure that you go check that out because. I think one of the nice things that we do as we try to give the the all-encompassing access to the fan is not only do we do Snow the Goalie Radio here on six ten ESPN, not only do we sometimes do a, a second podcast later in the week on the Snow the Goalie feed, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio and wherever, wherever wherever else you get your podcasts, that's a mouthful. Um, I think maybe the the number one thing is, you know, we listen to the fans and we take the, their questions, their comments, their concerns and, and we often take those down to the locker room, and when we pull the players aside, we try to lead them, uh, you know, to to the answers that the fans
2: want. Absolutely. So, that's it, that's it Russ. So, for, for I guess you want me to close it out? I'll let you close it oh, out. Oh, okay. So, for Russ, I'm Anthony. You've been listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN. Stay tuned for Crossing Broadcast.